Hello, hello, soul sister, soul brother. This is Claire, and this is the Sovereign Womb podcast, the Secret Pregnancy series, and this is episode 10. Coming to you from my bath in my medieval cantina in rural Italy. Ah, oh, it's been a very, very intense week, and life is very intense when one is gestating and it's intense even when one is not gestating right now there is so much in movement in the earth and if you're deeply connected as I'm sure you are and I am to the multidimensionality of change that is going on in the world you'll be feeling a lot locally and in your domestic reality and your your unique imprint of relationship with the world there'll be a lot that's correcting itself a lot that's changing and even if I weren't just dating I think I would be feeling a lot around around everything that's going on I sense that every day is very full with deep deep unveiling and intense experience and I've been really pushed to the limit this week in in having the loss of a, a I can't say a close friend it just doesn't cover it um a man with whom I've had a, a long and complex friendship relationship the man who brought me to Italy the first time, um, who found me this house essentially, connected me with a guy who, and helped me buy this house, helped negotiate for me. Um, just as I'm saying that, a little robin, is, a robin redbreast, a petty rosso, has just landed on my linen tree and is picking something off the bark. What a funny thing to see out. Don't often see robin redbreasts here. They do come here, but what a totem that is, just as I'm talking about. Yeah, this man, this house, this magical house, this magical street and this magical medieval quarter. Um, none of this would have come about. The American TV show wouldn't have come about. The House Hunters show. The whole foreign community wouldn't be here if it wasn't for this man bringing me here. And the complexity of our relationship and friendship over the years um, and his part in the community here over the years has been incredibly significant, incredibly, incredibly significant. And, and yet he just sort of disappeared some years ago because he had a daughter and he, his focus was on his daughter in the city rather than this dream that he had of having this boutique hotel or arty antique shop, gallery, studio, artist residencies and so on. We, we've done bits of it. We've done bits of it together. That dream of, of just cultural exchange, cultural immersion, language exchange, events in the garden, the garden that I work that I often refer to in my podcasts and blogs and that I share a lot about over on the hive um, is his garden and 
we planted trees in it 13 years ago. We did a very intensive working on it 13 years ago when I first came here. And then when we split up and I had my dark night of the soul in his cantina, in his downstairs kitchen, in this ma massive palazzo that he has. And yeah, he connected me with the beautiful family that were selling this house and we, we partnered in many things, like worked in parallel on many things, many projects. Um, and as I was saying to friends this week, um, especially as a gestating woman, having someone so close by, I mean, he, he wasn't involved in the street or even in his own house for a long while. He'd given the keys to me and my partner, actually. And I think we've got all the keys for the house now in the garden. And it's funny that he handed them over just a few months ago. He was up fixing a lock that had been sabotaged, vandalised. And he was really stressed about that. And I was helping him climbing up the rickety ladder onto the balcony, climbing over the balcony railings, a really precarious little balcony. And um, climbing in through the window uh, to try and dismantle the lock from the inside, which didn't work. So I then had to climb out again after struggling with the door for two hours. <laughs> which was just, it was very much this beautiful man, very much his issues. He was always getting locked out of his own house. Always had issues with the doors, issues with locks and keys and struggling to get in and out. And so, yeah, to be, to be faced with his sudden shocking parting just like that by a heart attack was was a lot a lot to digest and especially in full gestation and especially with somebody that I'm so I thought I'd kind of compartmentalized him like he'd compartmentalized himself I think he compartmentalized this town and his house and his project he just sort of put it not just on the back burner you know where you put it pack it in a box and put it to the back of the garage and he'd done that with it and he just sort of disconnected from it and he kind of handed it over in a way to us, me and my partner. And, um, sort of energetically had transferred, transferred the whole thing. And I felt that it's not a property ownership of the garden, but I felt that it's mine to do with as I wanted because he'd given me like free reign. He'd given me you know, just do whatever you need to do and it. You haven't given any order or said, I need it to be like this or you do the garden for me and I'll pay you. It was nothing like that. It was just a very, was a, a part of his character and being very generous that he wanted someone to enjoy the garden and he knew that I was taking fruit from it anyway and that the whole thing worked out well for me. So <clears throat> it was an important thing to, it was just the right thing going into the right hands and I think that that's like and excuse me if it takes me a while to sort of word this because it's such a lot has unfolded with his death and and it just happened uh, literally you know four days ago and the funeral was two days ago <clears throat> or three days ago and um yeah the whole thing is very very raw and very complex like I I had compartmentalised this person and yet as soon as I knew of his death, like everything started tumbling out. Like when someone dies and they take the gift of their death that they give to us is this pulling out of 
anything that was stuck in both in relationship and communication in physical connection in like everything gets pulled up and outwards and that's like an incredible gift of healing and I feel that particularly in gestation being able to be faced with death is an incredible and powerful gift even the fact that we're like the balance of the two of us in our relationship is we really struggled with cultural conflict with language conflict <laughs> difficulty in communicating um real yin yang polemic and weird energy around sexuality and so on that just could not resolve itself in our relationship that we had 13 years ago um but suddenly in the light of him not being here suddenly there was this crystal clarity about how interwoven we were and how there are literally things of his well in every room of my house and things that he's helped me with and things that I've taken from the garden things that I've put in the garden things that we put in the garden ourselves you know I'm lying in this bath that used to be two big vasque uh, wine making vats and he sent his worker who was working on building and demolishing things in his house sent him to my house because he knew that I would <laughs> if I was doing it myself I would take six months and take it apart one brick at a time and it would be like really laborsome and I would probably really hurt my back and hurt my arms and injure myself badly doing it so he sent this boy over not boy excuse me that's such a terrible word to use for a working man sent this man over um, this beautiful strong man who came along and just was like boom 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 crashing away hammering away the whole house is not shaking because it's a solid house but the sound was reverberating up the walls into the next room you know in this abandoned house that I'd just taken on, taken on and yeah he demolished these two uh, vats and left the bricks in a nice neat pile next to it and you know just came and went and did his work and you know, thanks to him, that was, you know, that was gifted to me. I would never have been able to afford to pay the guy on my own. And, and this friend was, was absolutely, you know, without even thinking, he didn't ask me if I needed that. He just sent the guy and the guy just insisted, the guy just arrived and did it. And I let him do it and gave him a sandwich and a cup of tea or something. And away everyone went on with their, their days. But, um, and I remember that my friend always saying to me um, about how, oh, why don't you just get someone in to do that? And, you know, they'll do it like do, do, do. And, and I would, you know, he was always in a rush to do things. And, um, yeah, I was always doing things terribly, terribly slowly. And that's like where we didn't really meet always on that. But again, as I said, over the years, there's this incredible interweaving that we've done and we've done a lot together and we've achieved a lot together. And even the fact that his house is now empty and, you know, will need to be taken care of by somebody or by something and it needs life to be in it and the garden equally, you know, I'm doing very tentatively or very small amounts of taking care of it, but um, I'm one woman and a set of secretaries. <laughs> that's me and um, yeah it really needs um, 
somebody at least to string the brambles away at the bottom of the garden. Anyway, the interweaving of these two things and our two houses at opposite ends of the street and the balance of our lives, even the fact of him leaving now, right in the right in the centre of my gestation of a baby. And I was really looking forward to telling him about it. Really excited to talk about how when he first came to his gardens and first bought his house here a couple of years before I came here with him, he said he had a vision of little children with blonde hair running about the garden and um, and his daughter was had really black hair, has really black hair. Um, and I thought that's funny about, you know, maybe he was seeing really far into the future. Eh? And the great mystery, the great mystery of, of being able to look at all of this in a, in a connected way is a lot for me um, this week, obviously. It's a lot for me to lose a, a friend, a man that I've known for more than 13 years. It's a lot for me to feel all of this whilst I'm gestating. It was a lot to go to the funeral in Caserta and hug his mum and his sister and talk with them and just let them know that we're there for them and that he's loved and he'll be missed hugely and that, that we're holding space for the house and the gardens and we'll take his dreams forward for him. Like Whatever happens, we'll take his dreams and honour his memory and do things for his daughter and we'll be there, you know, we're there for them. Um, it was a, a lot to hold space for that and a lot to feel all the dynamics in a very formal funeral and feel the ways that, that formality and conventional ways of processing bodies and processing what death means collectively, how they're kept very much off the ground and very much following an authority and having the authority come in and take the body and move the body and put the body in a vehicle from places like from hospital to funeral home to church to cemetery. Um, there's a lot that's unlocked for me that I feel has been transmitted by my friend by being in close proximity to his body when he's, when he's passed but feeling the connection through all of his family and friends and being in this heightened state of gestation and being able to see behind the veils, being able to see how we're kept in disassociation from what the death really means and also from the gifts of death. I think that's the thing that is most distorted for me that I I felt in that in those moments and I and that I feel in general about death that um having organized one funeral in my life for my mum. Um, just the, the fact of having my mum in an organic bamboo coffin was very significant. The, the fact that she was buried in a cemetery, which is in our, the village next to ours, in a glen that was very special to us all, all our lives, and is special to us all still, and where we can visit and physically visit her, the fact that she was going into the earth in a very biodegradable container was very significant and we had a, a humanist minister speak to my mum's life even though he hadn't known her personally. He spoke to her life uh, because he read the words that we'd written 
and that we'd agreed it as a family to most, mostly I was writing it everybody else was a bit out of it and mostly I wrote it and then for my brothers corrected things and we we presented it to the guy who then spoke it out and then you know the groundedness of that and the personal aspect of it was very important there was even a moment in her funeral where um the minister talked about let us take a, a moment of silence for whatever faith you are you know to speak to god or let spirit in or just listen to nature or um whatever you need to do just to to come to peace with jenny passing and there was an incredible moment it had been really gray and overcast and just when the moment of silence began the sun broke through the clouds and all these birds tweeted and sang and it was really you know a little wind a little breeze blew and it was really a very significant moment that I've, I've noticed at other times you know when there's been an important moment of an animal actually passing and everything going quiet and nature feeling the shift in the fabric of reality well, even our collective presence around the grave, focusing on this body, focusing on the woman that she was, focusing on her life story, channeled through the minister's sensitivity and voice. Um, that was very significant, and I'm sure that drew the co-creative gift of it all. We had a really beautiful meeting afterwards, and I think, again, this is, you know, the difference in having a very formal um, funeral for my friend just passed. Um, I think it's very hard for people to digest what's really going on when they're sort of pumped through that, that system and that practice. Although it might be very reassuring if that's what one has been doing all one's life, I still think that there's my sense as a gestating woman, as a woman holding life, coming into life and able to see this panoramic view, I can feel how there's a, a disassociation and an ungroundedness that is also by default negates the gift and doesn't allow the gift in. And I think that's where we get really stuck in, in, um, in our grief, you know, the grief itself. I, I felt my grief. And I do feel my grief for his loss. Of course, I feel a strong, strong loss, but it's not isolated. The loss isn't on its own and it's not a polemic. It's not in, in polemic to whatever frictions I had with him in life or whatever shame I feel about not having been a better friend to him. Or it, our, our relationship was perfect. It was really, really hard and really complicated and perfect, exactly what it was. And... Because of that, I can really feel the gifts that are coming to me. You know, I can really feel the gifts that are coming to me through him. That he's carrying an old model away with him, the model of doing work that he hated, grinding himself into the ground and being coerced into taking a jib job that he didn't want to take and that he was very concerned about his underlying high blood pressure and conditions of, of very high stress, very, very high stress. Um, it was extremely um, 
painful to see everybody talking about about it as if it's uh, as if he were just struck down randomly by God, which I know not to be true. I know that it's partly his path in life and partly the interference of pharmaceutical medicine. I, I know that very clearly. It's very clear to me. And that's unfortunately part of the whole picture. It's part of the panoramic picture. And something that I have to hold space for and, and release tension around, release. There's nothing that I can do about that. All I could do was tell him when I last saw him and the last times that I spent with him. And I did encourage him, you know, we did get, we did literally twist his arm to sit down and enjoy a glass of wine and relax in the garden. And we did have some nice hours together, you know, we literally did. And, you know, I did tell him, you know, you, you really are going to make yourself really sick if you stress like this much, my friend. And, and he, he agreed with that and took some deep breaths and tried to calm himself. But I think he was also, you know, he was, that, that was his character and it was set in a lot of ways and it was made for him. And he could carry that away with him. He sacrifices, you know, men sacrifice themselves in a way, in this way by taking that away with them, but at least the least we can do to honour their memory, I feel, is continue to live their dreams for them and build on their dreams and also let them take that away from us, like let them carry that with you, with them, let them carry that pattern away. That feels to me to be really central to, especially if we've had a close relationship with somebody and known them for some years and worked with them or been Having, having had an online, an ongoing co-creative relationship with them, I feel that there's, there's all the more to be gained from what they take away with them. That's, that's just my sense of it. And yes, yeah, I'm just dating women too. Oh God, I've had so much feeling and intensity. Um, I started bleeding the night of the funeral, after the funeral after we came home, after finding out he was dead the day before, I had some very, very faint, faint pink blood, like the faintest that you could possibly have and say, that's kind of blood coming out of me, out my yoni. Um, it came on as a full bleeding the next day and after, directly after the, the funeral when we drove back with my partner and a, a mutual friend of mine, here um, and yeah again I was, I was really hoping that the bleeding would have been finished I was like oh, I really wanted the bleeding to be finished you know just get it out of the way in the first if not the first trimester the first four months you know that's enough bleeding but um, I really recognize that with the bleeding you know there's Again, it's just bringing me back, bringing me back to, you know, my neuroses that there's something wrong, my neuroses that I was miscarrying, which actually went into quite a deep place last night. I was laying in bed, feeling movement in my womb and feeling that my child was trying to leave the womb and that it was mistakenly confused about the death and confused about my feelings around the death and confused about the process of letting go. And the collective energy, like the distorted collective energy around the formal funeral and the formal holding on to the pain 
and the polemicizing of the pain I was feeling like the the baby like me might be really confused by all that and I, I really felt some movement and pressure on my cervix from inside as if something was going to open and release and that really upset me in the night you know it scared me and upset me and and I was really talking my child down and back in and thanking them for the strength that they have to and that together we have more strength that we have the power to live through this and be stronger for it that this is all about us learning and growing together and that this man this beautiful friend that I had that I've lost that we've lost he leaves much enrichment for us, including the house that I live in, including him having brought me to Italy, including the child themselves, that if I hadn't met my partner, there would not be this child, and that if I hadn't come to Guardia, there would not be this connection with this man. And if I hadn't, hadn't been with the other guy and left the other guy, you know, the whole thing, it's not that that person directly created my child it's not thing that my friend who's died created my buying the house or my meeting my partner but all of the things are beautifully entwined in a way that we've all been friends and we've all worked together and we've all helped each other in some form or done some kind of a exchange of gift or work in return for each other and um, you know we really are, have been like a, a part of the community here and made our own community which is even more beautiful that we're not relying on old ways but creating new ways and that was really powerful you know creating new connections and people who are from out of the town and people who are foreign and people who are in the town you know creating these new wider circles of people that we've all brought here um, and that's a that's a powerful legacy to keep growing and and again that you know in my gestation I feel I feel a lot about like I feel his his falling and his releasing pulling me into you know to be more present more serious more attentive to what that vision was that he had that I share and that I know to be true and that you know, in a way, it, it doesn't matter whether his family keep the house or sell the house, the garden. It doesn't matter whether, whether I keep or I sell my house. But the vision is the important thing. Like, that's the only thing that really endures, the beautiful memories, the vision, the connection and the feeling. Like, the other stuff is just stuff. It's not that relevant. Just like my relationship with the garden these years has been, you know, like, there is no paperwork around it. There's no... There was no contract or agreement. It was done in gift. It was done just because the garden's there and because I know how to use a garden and because I, I love and wanted to be in the garden. You know, it was all, it's all just made sense. You know, like, why would he not give me the key to the garden? It would be silly not to, because the binding of the garden into those boundaries would just be a pointless cutting off one's nose to spite one's face fencing in one's garden to spite anyone who wants to use it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing to 
just be fully immersed in the garden and what it means and how we created it together essentially initially physically together and then over the years with him taking less and less of a physical presence in it but at the same time holding space for it because he is the on paper the owner of it and now it will be handed to his daughter and or a trust and or his mum and sister or such like and from there you know we all collectively will will figure out the best way forward but yeah this too <clears throat> helps me to really comprehend like on the one hand I felt really disassociated from my pregnancy the last few days like since I found out about my friend and that was frightening to me it's frightening to be disassociated in that way like to almost think oh well I must not be pregnant if this is happening if someone has died I must not be pregnant like that those two things can't coexist or they can't be connected in some way or they can't like it can't be about the great mystery like there was just some kind of a you know, getting pulled by the funeral, by the formality and by everybody's behaviour, getting pulled into the 3D, into the physical and into the the conventional narrative of of death as loss, which it's just not that simple. It's not that simple. And that's one of the, the most beautiful gifts of his death also, alongside this gestation interwoven with my life and my recent life and my my work and my purpose and my gardening and my subsistence and my living in gift the complexity the beautiful complexity of it is is perfect and is what life is about to me Um, it makes me think of how this beautiful complexity of how much I'm feeling during my gestation is also perfect. The complexity of unlocking all the relationships I have through my pregnancy is also perfect. Um, the complexity of, of releasing information about the pregnancy, the the complexity of, like, not not just complexity as in chaos, complexity as in complicated but the beautiful divine complexity and everything that connects all things even to the point of this tiny little community that we have in this street this little very particular street that is literally two men who live down in the house with all the cats a Scottish guy and his wife who live sometimes in Edinburgh sometimes in Rome who come very occasionally to their big mansion The man who's just died um, and his big garden palazzo right in the middle of the street. My friends from Torre del Greco, two sets of friends. One a young couple, well about my age couple with two kids and who come very occasionally. And then the other couple who are come almost every weekend with their cats also who are relatives of my cats and my next door neighbour and myself um, another friend of my friend who died who has got the house opposite me but he doesn't really count because he's not there and a couple of other people who've got houses but don't really come oh and, and a small family or, or 
five or six people who come with about two or three kids and the father and the grandfather and the mother um, who come from Naples as well, who have the house in between the Tori del Greco folk and myself and, and my next door neighbour. Uh, women about my age, a couple of years younger than me. But you know, out of all these people, the fact that somebody's gestating and somebody's just died who are intimately connected and, you know, just like this really... I, I can't help feeling that, it, like, not that... You know, I don't, I don't mean that it's like it's meant to be or there's something like a fable in it or something, but at the same time, like, there's something very... There's a deep significance in that that is, to me, is a gift of balance and of, like, there's something very pure about that, that the fact that he went and it was his time and he chose it in many ways and he was ready for it in many ways. He said to more than one person that he could die happy because he'd created his daughter and his daughter had grown up and she was well on her way to being a really solid individual and... He felt full, you know, his spirit was full. He felt complete, like he'd done what he needed to do in life. And he often spoke about how his daughter was the best thing he's ever done, best thing he'd ever made. And, you know, I wanted to say to him that he's he's done lots of other things too, which are more than that. You know, the way he presented it, it seemed like he was diminishing all the other things that he'd done. I think he was he was really sort of stuck in his idea of himself of not having completed things, which in fact what was what everybody else was taking the piss out of him about all the time, continually bad-mouthing him about. But we, it was kind of a playful thing too, like we all took the piss out of each other and whatever our characteristics are and complaining about how he wasn't using the house. But we were using the house and the garden, so it's like it doesn't matter. You know, it's the house is there, let's use it. Don't worry about the actual owner of it not enjoying it or not, you know, that was just his, he he was more interested in creating something for others than he was in creating it for himself, or he was less able, he was quite blocked about sitting down and actually enjoying it. And I really hope that I can support in some way, carrying something through for him, like making the missing link for him with his daughter, really inheriting this place, like really feeling this place and learning about plant wisdom, for example, and nature and ecology in a way that he was really interested in and passionate about, but didn't have the time to really set himself down and really fully embrace the permaculture and the herbal medicine and so on. Whereas I'm, I've been here on the ground doing it and appreciating his letting me use his garden and work on his ground to make it sacred and to have sacred relationship with the plants which in turn has improved my health and allowed me to be fertile and allowed me to create a child myself. You know, these things are, they're not just loosely connected, that his sacrifices in his life supported my growth and supported my stabilising my life. It doesn't matter that we weren't in a, a physical, romantic relationship for long. His continued generosity towards me over the years has built this beautiful symbiotic. It's lifted my life up and I hope it lifted his life up too. I'm sure it did. I don't think it's any accident that um, he swapped 
a, a bed that he had in his house that he wanted rid of for me because I didn't have a bed. He swapped a bed for a painting and he gave me this bed that actually I recently took it away and put it downstairs because it felt like it wasn't the right energy and put a wooden bed in instead uh, that I made myself, which was, you know, it's important to make your own bed. That's quite, quite an important thing about shifting energetic patterns in one's house and so on, especially around fertility. But the painting that he chose was this one about conception it was a painting actually called Conception. Um, and he conceived not long after that, not long after he got that painting. And I know he always wanted to have a child, and although it wasn't under the optimum circumstances, he'd already split up with his partner and they'd, they'd gone on a prepaid holiday together to not waste the money. And then, yeah, <laughs> the ensuing um, fun that they had on holiday resulted in her conceiving. But even that, like, I'm not saying my painting made him conceive with his partner, but it's not insignificant. And the fact that he gifted a bed to me and then shortly after moving the bed and re-feng shuiing my relationship and my, par and my partnership that I am in now and correcting the energy of my house and putting the bed in the right room I also became pregnant and that's very significant, you know, that's really significant that both him consciously helping me and him unconsciously helping me and also things that I took from him that I needed, that I wanted, and also things that I refused from him that I didn't need and I didn't want. All of these things are, you know, this is our interconnectedness, it is the great mystery and I'm I'm laboring the point, I'm going into the point because it is so, um, it's lost when, when we think of life and death as these things that are completely separate and at opposite ends and polemic, that they're in conflict with each other somehow, instead of them, them being beautifully interwoven and beautifully yin-yang, beautifully night and day. You know, the night doesn't suddenly become day, the, the night becomes day and the day become night, the days become night very subtly and gently and perfectly and beautifully and you know gently but but you know with the movement of planets and the movement of suns and stars and moons we have these beautifully contrasting light and dark aspects of our Gaia Sophian reality and um you know, I think it, I think it would benefit us all, and it's certainly benefiting me in my gestation, and especially being right in the middle of it, ish, going towards the middle of it. No, pretty much near the the middle of it, really. Um, it's very significant to be having this wisdom dropped down into my life by my lost friend. That is also the gift of my friend. My friend gifting uninhibitedly to me, both through being alive, both through dying, both through how he was connected with his friends and family and how I'm connected with his friends and family, through the street that we're on, through all the work that we did. Like The street wouldn't be paved and all enriched and beautiful if we hadn't done the TV show together. We did the TV show together. 
even that, the house hunting TV show that he wasn't going to do because he was chickening out the day before we were going to do the filming. And I was saying, but you have to do it. It's all organised. They're coming from Scotland. They're coming, they're arriving on the plane and they're coming from Scotland and England and they're going to arrive at this time and we have to be ready and I have to do all this work and they'll give you money. Come on, <laughs> do it. And they offered to give him some a couple of hundred euros and, and he agreed to do it. So. <laughs> um, but, you know, if we hadn't done that, if he hadn't done that, if we hadn't done that together, like none of the foreign people would have come here or if they, they might have come very slowly and much more slowly. But because we did that TV show, you know, I was telling them from the beginning, he was very dour about what, what the potential of this place was. And, and I was saying, look, all you have to do is get it online to enough people, get it an audience for it, do a website or get it on do a documentary about it or something, or like we ended up doing this TV show. And lo and behold, like thousands and thousands and thousands of people were interested in the town suddenly, and then hundreds and hundreds of people came and bought houses. So, yeah, and it, and it's still, you know, that it's easy to look on, on his life and think about how he built all this thing up, and he even was a real protagonist in the in the artistic community, the alternative community, the the cultural exchange. We did festivals together. We did like we were protagonist in setting up the Recreati Festival and in doing um, artist residency, the Terra Vivente artist residencies. We were instrumental in in supporting and and helping them be set up. And it's easy to think. You know, if I'm thinking in a polemic way, I'd, I'd be thinking, oh, all that is lost now, but nothing is lost. And that's the thing that's so beautiful about this. It's a beautiful thing about viewing life as cyclical and as deeply meaningful and deeply connected. And, it's, and this is why I'm really enjoying being able to speak out loud about this right now, because the, the perspective of gestation is, is very aligned with life. It's very aligned with what life is meant to be. If we allow it to be, it wouldn't be that for me if I was in a hospital getting checked or in a doctor's studio every week or a couple of weeks or a couple of months or bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. My cat Benjamin has just come to the window. Benjamino! He wants wants to come in, but I'm in the bath and he can't come in. Um yeah, the the depth and the meaning of it all that allow it to move forward, you know, I really strongly feel that we we miss all of this when we just focus on the, the loss and we get locked into this tension in our body when we view it as loss. Um, and of course, I think a lot of us are, are focused on celebrating a person's life, having, you know, I talk with the family and friends about we must do something in Guardia for him and you know, build something in the garden for him or, you know, even take his dreams forward. And, you know, I really look forward to talking with him more about that. But at the same time, um, you know, everyone was open already to like, no, we must do something up in Guardia. We must do something to celebrate his life. You know, we must honour his cultural enrichment and his passions and all these things that he loved and knew about and, you know, his languages and painting and... He was really passionate about dancing and music. He was really, really passionate about yoga and macrobiotics and permaculture and health and 
all kinds of things and antique restoration and you know we don't have to in birth and in death like we don't have to force things into completion like he didn't have to set up the boutique hotel or the antique shop or even the art studio or the residencies didn't have to go on and on or the festival didn't have to repeat itself it's enough that he just planted all these seeds and he had all these ideas and not everybody is meant to manifest the ideas not everybody is meant to follow through and sell antiques or create success in retirement or anything like that you know it doesn't have to be taken right through to an idea completed and presented and put in a box or confectioned or anything like that that in turn makes me think about you know the education of children that you know they don't have to be put into these categories and boxes and classes and jobs and labels on them you know it's okay for us to to be just be living beings, just be living humans. It's okay that some of us don't follow through with the things. It's okay that some of us just plant the seeds, just build the foundations, just provide the property for the venue. It's enough that some people just provide the money. It's enough that some people plant the trees and then don't reap the fruit of it. Or maybe just have an occasional pumpkin. <laughs> And jar of jam that I pass over to them but you know if we if we step away from the paperwork and away from the ownership you know the conventional ideas of ownership and legalities and lawyers and all that shit you know if we just look at the purity of what the person was what they believed in what they loved you know those things can endure yes the paperwork can endure too the paperwork can be organized and the stamps can be put on it and the you know the lawyers can give authority to do this that and the next thing but there's a whole underlying story that that shouldn't be lost about him and what he did and wanted and believed in and which we are capable and if we're conscious and willing we can actually take it forward for him so that like that beautiful aspect of that which wasn't taken forward, that which he didn't enjoy and that which he didn't live, but wanted to, but dreamed of and had a vision of, like we can take the dream and the vision forward. And I really feel like there's such power in that that also informs me about how to educate a child and how to comprehend fully the connection between life and death, that it is really, really intimately, we're all intimately, intimately connected and life and death are intimately connected. And the more we recognize the interconnectedness, the easier I think life is. I really do think the easier it is. And certainly the more ecstatically we will birth and the more ecstatically we will die. Um, and if we birth and die ecstatically, we're certainly going to live in the middle a bit more ecstatically. And I would hope that that is if that's not the point of life, then it's at least a big part of it. At least makes the, the journey easier, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, <clears throat> I'm still reeling, really, and I'm still making sense of my own relationship with this, this beautiful soul, this man. Um, 
some of the biggest things that have been downloaded from him about his death and around death are that just this beautiful thing that I already knew that he has underlined for me that we can learn just as much through unpleasant things as we can through pleasant things and learn just as much through complex relationships as through simple relationships and we really need to embrace each other a bit more rather than isolating folk who are different and isolating folk that we're not in perfect harmony with. I feel like he's liberated my mind by dying in the way he has, but so suddenly and so, yeah, so suddenly and so completely. I know it's a ridiculous thing to say. When people die, they die, don't they? But yeah, just he feels like a very particular person that left an awful lot of things behind and a lot of things that were begun uncompleted but yeah like like that like he's teaching me something about how how imperfect we are and that it doesn't even matter if we're imperfect I got such a download of how even if we live really hectic chaotic messy lives and like this man who we start lots of projects and then just literally leave them unfinished. But, and this is the beautiful thing about it, the beautiful, beautiful thing is that the life force in us, by our very nature, it doesn't matter how distorted we are or how uncommitted to finishing we are, let's say, the foundations are always there. Like we're, there's always an air of a, a faint outline of perfection in what we're doing. It doesn't matter how, you know, even if we go through our lives being an addict or self-destructive or anything, we always have this, like we're bringing the natural imprint. We're carrying forward patterns and addictions and neuroses, but we're also at the core of it, deeper than that, we're carrying this imprint into life that is, it's perfect. It doesn't matter who we are or what we do. We do, and if we do carry this with us, this perfect sacred geometry, that if one is able to look panoramically and holistically at the life lost, at the work that was left undone, at the whole, the whole thing, at the whole thing, at all of our relationship with him, at, at my gestating, my relationship to his garden as I'm gestating that allowed me to be pregnant, that I was working in his garden and eating the fresh plants and the wild herbs and so on and healing myself. Um, the perfection of how it all balances out and how it's meaningful and how it's colourful and beautiful um, can never be outweighed by somebody's cantankerousness or the friction of our relationship or any trauma that we co-created <laughs> or any the unfinishedness of a project is completely superfluous 
The thing that endures is the sacred geometry of how we were connected and the love and respect that even if there was a tiny little bit of it between some people and him, even if there was the just a tiny little, you know, that he'd just been touched their lives a tiny way, there's still that perfection of how it, we all tie together and we all fit together. Not just me and him and his garden and my house and his house and my lemon tree, but like everything, we all fit together. And we maybe can see it really more divinely, more tangibly when we're just dating and, and more tangibly when somebody dies suddenly. And more tangibly when we're in deeply entwined in pleasure with another being. And the yin yang of everything. But Like at the end of the day, everything is flowing with the sacred geometry. Everything is intimately interwoven. And um, I really know that we can always build on that. We can always, always build on it. Like we can look at what exists already of this beautiful interconnectedness. And then from there, build on it, build on that, rather than trying to build on paperwork or contracts or legalities or what is right and what is wrong and what makes sense in the conventional way you know there are these underlying beautiful underlying realities that um, would be better if we adhered to them a bit more life would be so much more flowing if we looked at the flowing of life we would all be so much more connected if we just looked at how we're connected and yeah, birth and gestation would be much easier if we were immersed in these ways as well. If we were not at odds with our body, not giving our authority and power away and not questioning our symptoms, instead just listening to the symptoms in the body, which symptoms is probably the wrong word anyway, <laughs> and just letting the body <clears throat> In gestation, the body will correct itself. It absolutely will correct itself. It'll tell me when to lie down. It'll tell me when to sit up. It'll tell me when to go to the garden, which plant to eat. It'll tell me when I need to release something emotionally, when I need to make a podcast, when I need to make a painting, sew a dress. It'll tell me how I need to clothe myself. It'll tell me if I need to buy any equipment before I have a baby. <laughs> It'll help me find... <clears throat> a drawer or something to put the baby in for a bed. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, probably the time of gestation mixed with somebody dying that I was very close to is probably the, the least easy time to, to let go into just allowing everything to be exactly what it is. Um, and I'm, I'm glad of the challenge to do that. Um, this friend who's died is was someone that challenged me horrendously as I did him. And we, we definitely pushed each other to the edge of our neuroses. And I'm, you know, I can smile at that and, and love him for that and release him for that and and vice versa. I was I was saying to my partner that I feel 
you know, for all the suffering that he had in his life and all the stress and all the, you know, he really was one of the most neurotic people I've ever known. And he was well known as being neurotic and wound up and winding everyone else up and bringing out the worst in people. But, and it's such a huge but, Like, it, it was just perfect. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with him having expressed that in, in the 3D because it is really stressful in the 3D. But the underlying feeling that I got when he left, the underlying feeling that I felt his presence in my being, in my sentience, in my aura and in my space and being in his garden and being in his house, being around his family, being near his body in his coffin, in the funeral. I know I just feel love, peace, just love and peace, such an ease of, like I really felt a wise soul. And it, it's really hard for me to think that when my ego was so tangled up in his ego, we were both really, at loggerheads in our relationship, although that was a long time ago, um, you know, at least 13 years ago, essentially. But the sense, the clarity of knowing that his life had purpose and will, the purpose will continue to grow. And I can, I can have purpose in that. That's extraordinary, an extraordinary feeling. And even the feeling of knowing that some of the people who we have most difficult relationship with, they can actually be the most mean meaningful relationships. I think that is just such a an immense, like honourable gift to give in the world, to be the person who transmitted that, to be the one who persevered through that and kept a friendship with me and that I persevered through that and kept a friendship with him and eventually came to a place of mutual respect and love and care like genuine care for each other and generosity with each other that's like that's probably one of the greatest things I've learned in my life one of the greatest lessons and one of the greatest gifts I've received from another human being in my life and it's not a gift that's lost with his death. It's a, a gift that's been activated by his death, just like I feel our relationship is activated by his death, like his dreams are activated by his death, his dreams through me and through my connection with him and my partner's connection with his house, like all of us, like just activation. I can just feel such an activation. And this is such a particular time in the world of things being activated and the sacred geometry of the world being activated Um this just feels like another confirmation of that and yeah I'm just carrying that forward and doing the best that I can with what I've got even as um like financial resources dwindle and um inflation goes up and the price of things gets crazy um it's amazing how the resources just seem to come very easily and they're there isn't a problem with putting food on the table, you know, and there, there isn't likely to be a problem with food being on the table for any time in the near future. It just seems like there's more food all the time, more food than I need. Somebody was just offering me um, zuka yesterday, um, 
maru or pumpkin. And I was saying, Filippo, no, you can't. Don't, please don't give me any pumpkins. I've got excess of pumpkins in the house. Can, do you want some pumpkins? I've got too many pumpkins. I've got like ridiculous amounts of pumpkins. I've got crates of them and two gigantic Lunga di Napoli giant pumpkins. So please don't give me, please, too many pumpkins. So <laughs> on that happy note, um, yeah, please do support my work, donate my work, donate this transmission to this transmission. Support me to make more transmissions, to make more art, more gardening, more community, more living in gift, more inspirational podcasts and more art of life. Um, I would love your support. I would really accepting of gifts and really appreciating financial gift in particular at these times when things get, you know, tighter and tighter for the creative folk and the folk who are telling truth and the folk who are, who are in service to life and the mothers and the, the women who are bringing children up in right way and bringing children into the world naturally. Um, please do support my work. That would be great. You can do that via my website, clairegaiasofia.com and the gift page or via the hive, hive.blog. Um, I'm there as at Claire Artista and you can support me in cryptocurrency there. Um, I'm also on Patreon. I really appreciate particularly being supported on Patreon as, as fiddly, faffy a platform as it is. It, it does allow me to have a monthly income which stabilises everything in my life. It doesn't quite help me keep a car on the road anymore, but I had to take my car off the road last month, unfortunately. Or actually, it hasn't made any difference to my life whatsoever. So it's really doesn't, it's not that unfortunate at all. I mean, I would like to have a car, but I, I can't say that I'd really need one if I'm not using it and I'm not missing it. So <laughs> that's kind of an irrelevant little paragraph in there about the car. Um, but yeah, the the income that I get from Patreon is really vital to my life and work and helps me just just keep everything ticking over, mostly. Um, so I would really hugely appreciate that, that if you'd like to support me that way. If you want to see my art, please go and download my catalogue from my website too. You'll find that somewhere or other on my website. It should be on the front page. And... Um, yeah, contact me directly um, through my website or through Patreon or commenting under my blogs in Hive. I would love to connect with you and um, yeah, I would love to love to talk more deeply about these subjects because yeah, I, I could appreciate more support as well. I could appreciate a lot more um, moral and, and emotional support. Um, from a community, I definitely feel the sense of uh, distance from my family and distance from a group of women that might actually physically be there for me. Um, yeah, I feel very far away from that just now. And I am very far away from that. My friends that I can connect with deeply around this are all around the world and are, are not particularly at my side where I do need, I need somebody by my side and I, I don't have them. And that is, you know, that's, I have sacrificed a lot to be where I want to be in the world. And I don't see that as the most difficult thing to overcome. It's just what it is. 
and it's something I have to compensate by finding closer connections with other people who are further away. But um, yeah, the more support I have is is definitely always always welcome, and the more outlet for how I can speak openly and release tensions that are in my in my beingness. Yeah, it's, it's a huge gift to be just to be witnessed, to have my podcast heard, to have this transmission heard, um, etc. etc. Um, yeah. So with that, I'm gonna go and get out this rather rapidly chilling bath <laughs> and go and get myself warmed up with a hot fire um, with wood from my beautiful friend who's passed from his house, which was one of the last things that he said to me, to make sure you take all that wood for, for your fire from the back of the one of the rooms. So yeah, I'm heating my home tonight because of him and his generosity and I don't have to break my back doing it, you know, I don't have to dive down into the gar- into the gardens and chop wood in the rain and saw and saw, you know, it's just a big pile of ruined <clears throat> old dry wood that from the restoration of his house that is now um, just ripe and ready to be chopped, sawed in a few places and put in a basket and will warm my house up here. Beautiful. Love and blessings to you. Maybe may you thrive in gift. May you be well. May you just date effortlessly and abundantly and ecstatically. And may all things come to birth in right timing and in expansiveness and beauty and love and absolute abundance. Ciao.